Praise the Lord. Well, last week we began a new series here at Walk Church that we titled 316. 316, and that came out of a study of the Word of God that I've been doing in my own life over the past couple years, where I've been noticing that John 316 is not the only awesome 316 verse in the Bible. There's actually a whole bunch of them. And so I've been seeing them, and so we've categorized eight different 316 passages that we're going to be walking through over the next several weeks. Last week, we looked at Revelation 316, what I I would say is the most challenging out of the bunch, that reminded us that God's not looking for a cold church, nor is he looking for a lukewarm church, but a hot church. It was a spoiler alert, right? The spoiler alert that says the lukewarm won't make it. The lukewarm will actually get spit out. The title of last week's message was The Church That Made God Sick. And I pray that this week and this year would be a hot year for the Lord, that we would say, you know what, we're going to be hot for the Lord this year more than ever before. That leads us to this week as we open up the scriptures to a new passage, a new 316 verse that you may not be too familiar with. It's, It's buried in the book of Malachi, or as the Italians say, Malachi. Right, let's go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. eat. The scripture says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. I want to preach a message to you this morning that I'm titling, The Church That Got God's Attention. The Church That Got God's Attention. I want to be a part of a church that gets God's attention each and every week and each and every day. Look at this verse. The the first part of verse 16 says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention. How about the Lord's undivided attention? attention here. He tells us in this passage what it takes. He gives us the secret recipe. He gives us the prescription for you and I to have God's undivided attention. And I want that. Amen. How many of you have pet peeves? Anybody? Does anybody just have a a pet peeve, a specific one? I know one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm talking to somebody and they're not giving me their undivided attention. When we're having dialogue, when we're, when we're at lunch together, and I'm sharing, and they're scrolling. Come on, anybody? Does that not bother anybody? Or when, when I'm talking to somebody, and it's like they're looking at me, but in their head, they're like watching Spider-Man, right? It's like you're, you're having a dialogue, and they're not looking at you. They're just looking past you, right? And, and, and it's a pet peeve of mine. It's a struggle of mine. It's a, it's a bothersome thing for me, and I'm just like, man, give me your undivided attention for this moment. We're talking, we're dialoguing, focus in. I think too many of us think we can multitask with our attention. Like we can be listening, but doing something at the same time. A definition I once heard for multitasking is really just doing a lot of things bad, right? That's what multitasking is. It's saying I can do a lot of things really poorly at the same time. And And we definitely do that when it comes to our attention. And I don't know about you, but I'm just going to, this is uh, being being transparent for me. I I can tend to have my pet peeves be the very things that I do myself. 
unfortunately. And this is an area that I'm working on, and I got my wife's attention to share this uh, illustration, her approval, because there's times where she'll say something to me, and I may be watching the sports game, or I may be doing something specific, and she'll just ask me gently. She'll say, hey, Hayden. I'll say, yeah, and she goes, tell me what I just asked you. And I hate when she does that, man, and she gets me. And, and, and it's a, such a good reminder that, man, I need to give my undivided attention. Amen? My undivided attention. God, God will give us his undivided attention if, if we do a couple things that he relays for us. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, the first thing that he tells us to do is to fear the Lord, to fear the Lord. Be reminded, these points are not things that I think are good suggestions or good ideas, but are thoroughly biblical, coming right from the mouth of God himself. Let's look at it together. Malachi 3.16, the very first part. Then those who feared the Lord, those who said, I'm going to take time and I'm going to give my life to fearing the Lord. My attention is going to be fear the Lord. Now, maybe you're not quite familiar with what fear of the Lord means, I want to talk a little bit about the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is littered all throughout the scripture. It's not just found in Malachi, but all throughout the Bible, starting in the wisdom books. I want to highlight the wisdom books because we want to be wise, don't we? Don't you want to be categorized as somebody that has wisdom? That, like, that person's got wisdom on them. Don't you love being around somebody that has wisdom? Well, you could be that person if you fear the Lord. Here's what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs is a book that I cycle through once a month, uh, or every, every month, uh, every year. I've been doing it for the past seven years. I read the proverb of the day every day, and it's been a game changer for me. The first proverb always says this. It'll never change. It'll always be there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You can make the choice, church family, that 2019 will be a wise year or a foolish year. If you want it to be a wise year, start with the fear of the Lord. Maybe you'd say, hey, I thought fear of the Lord was the beginning of wisdom, not the beginning of knowledge. Well, it's the beginning of wisdom too. Check out what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 9. He, he, he goes right to it in verse 10. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So knowledge, what you know about God, and wisdom, this, this understanding that encompasses your whole life, wisdom is the beginning of fearing the Lord. And, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Solomon wasn't done. It seems like every few chapters he had to go back to this point to remind us what we're talking about. Proverbs 15, verse 33 says it like this. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. And humility comes before honor. You have to sometimes humble yourself to say, you know what? I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to humble myself. And I'm going to fear the Lord. Maybe you don't know what fear of the Lord means. Or maybe you have a bad understanding of what fear of the Lord means. The best understanding that I've been given for fear of the Lord comes from a guy by the name of Dr. Tony Evans. He's a pastor in Dallas, Texas. And he defines the fear of the Lord as simply this, to take God serious. Fearing the Lord means I'm taking the Lord serious. I'm not taking him for granted. I'm not taking advantage of the Lord. I'm not underestimating the Lord. I'm actually taking the Lord serious. He uses this illustration. He says, at times when I'm driving down the freeway and I'm going a little faster than I should and maybe my seatbelt's not quite buckled on like it should and maybe I'm fiddling, I'm not giving my undivided attention to 
the road. He goes, but every time when I'm doing that and I see some flashing lights come up behind me, really quick, I, put, I buckle that seatbelt. My posture changes. My voice changes. My eye contact changes. And I begin to take that moment serious. And he says, the very presence of a police officer can change the way I act because I take him serious. He says, that's how we should be with the Lord. That the very presence of God should cause us to get serious about our walk, our lives, our families, our church, the way we steward our time, our money, everything about us should lead to this description. That person fears the Lord. It's not so much a, I'm terrified of God. Even though there are components of real fear that we should have of this big, 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 amazing, mighty God, right? In Isaiah chapter six, when he saw the Lord, I mean, he couldn't move. He just said, I'm a man of unclean lips. <laughs> I can't even be here, right? There's this, gen- this real fear, but I think it's this, I'm taking God serious. God says this, listen, the people that take me serious will get my attention. Did you catch that? The people that say, all right, that person fears me, God says, they're going to get my attention. Some of you are going through life saying, how come God doesn't answer my prayers? How come I feel so distant from God? Ask yourself, are you taking him serious? Because the people that get God's undivided attention are the people that take him serious. Amen? Hey, if one person claps, we all clap. We're having a conversation this morning, okay? Let's take him serious. It didn't stop in the book of Proverbs. David writes in his letter in the Psalms, he says in Psalm 111, specifically verse 10, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. I want to have a good understanding in life. I don't want to go throughout life having a bad understanding. If you want a good understanding, it starts with fearing the Lord. His praise endured forever, he says. Not only does David say that in the book of Psalms, Not only does King Solomon say that in the book of wisdom, the Proverbs, but there's another book of wisdom that we have in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is a great book. It's also written by King Solomon. Let me give you just a little biography on King Solomon. King Solomon, at the time of his life, and probably still today, was the richest man to ever live, right? He was a rich man. He had his own palace. He, had, he built the temple of the Lord. It was very beautiful. He had all the diamonds and jewelry, and he was a wickedly sinful man. He had a 1,000 wives and concubines and mistresses. That's a miserable life. That sounds crazy, right? This guy had all types of problems and sexual sin and all types of fame. People traveled the whole world just to meet with Solomon because they wanted to hear his wisdom. Well, at the end of Solomon's life, this is what he writes. Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. Here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, at the end of my life, if I could give one word to walk church, this would be it. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He said, I recognized after all that, God really only had one duty for me. It was to fear him and be obedient to him. This is my chief duty, for God will bring every deed into judgment, every secret thing, whether good or evil, saying it's going to happen. If you don't fear God now, one day you're going to stand in front of him. Like I once heard it put, either your knees will bow or they'll break. And, and I would rather just say, God, let me bow. <laughs> don't shatter my kneecaps, right? They're going to bow. Like I sometimes hold on to things in my life, and God sometimes has to pry it open, right? Let go. Or you can just say, I'm going to let it go myself. 
because I fear the Lord and I trust him and he's good. And the wisest thing I could do is take God serious because when we do that, come on, that gets God's attention. Amen. So let's take him serious this year. Let's know God better by taking him serious and fearing the Lord. Let me give you the second point of the message today. To not just fear the Lord, but to speak with one another. Now, if you would have asked me, you would have said, hey, Pastor Hyden, give me the three best ways to get God's attention. The first thing I would have said maybe was fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. I guess that makes sense. But to speak with one another, I would never have guessed. But it's in there. Let me show it to you. Malachi 3.16, the second part here says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. They spoke to each other. They talked to each other. And because they did that, something set off in heaven that got God's attention. I don't know if I'm reading the same thing as you, but I think there's value in speaking to each other. There's something about when we speak to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the saints of God, as fellow church family members, that God weighs in and says, I'm going to listen to that. I want to be in that. And now, right now, the introverts are like shaking, right? Some of y'all hate the quick minute that we do to just, hey, go give somebody a high five and say hello to somebody else. Some of y'all are like, man, I can't stand when we do that because I don't want to get up. I don't want to talk to nobody. But here's the, what you got to know. It's a powerful moment because it gets God's attention. When we speak with one another, we get God's attention. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't say those who feared the Lord and became best friends with one another. It doesn't say hang out together. It doesn't say spend 365, seven days a week, 24 hours of the day together. That's not what it says. But it does say you got to speak with one another. This can be challenging. I know the reality is this morning, all of us are different in our own ways. We're unique. We don't have all that much in common potentially, or maybe we do. But here's what we do have in common, right? We're all here this morning. We're gathered for one reason, right? Jesus, amen? That's what we got in common. We're here together today. If anything, we can talk about him. We can talk about how God's at work in our lives, and we can speak with one another. There's something special that happens when we speak to each other. We're, we're actually brothers and sisters for those who are in the Lord. We're, we're family members. And sometimes you got some crazy uncles and aunts, right? But you still got to speak to them. There's something special when we speak to each other. I, I heard this phrase. It kind of made me chuckle. It says, to live above with those we love, that will simply be glory. But to live below with those we know, that's a whole other story, right? This, this idea that, man, like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want anybody to talk to me. We live in a, a, a cold culture here in Las Vegas where people, right, they pull into their driveways and their garage and they shut it before they get out the car, right? I don't want to talk to nobody. Don't bother me. Don't just let me do my thing. You do your thing. Mutual respect. But here's what God tells us. You can go about life that way and you can miss God all your life. God tells us this is how you get my attention. You got to speak to one another. I'm going to give you a, a, a discipline, a discipline to make sure that you're living out this principle from Malachi 3.16. Here's what I would do. Get into a group. Say, you know what? This year, this first semester of the year, this first quarter, I'm going to choose to attend a small group. Here at Walk Church, we call them charge groups. 
Because we believe when you get plugged into a group, you get charged up. I know from experience, and I've been to thousands of thousands of small groups in my own home. And I'll admit, there's some nights where we're getting ready for group, and Nina will say, hey, are you ready? We're about to have people come over here for group. And I'll just think in my head, man, I don't want to do group tonight. I don't want to talk to anybody. Ding dong. <laughs> hey, welcome to group, you know. Yep. And, and let me tell you something. I cannot remember. I've tried. I've asked people. I've said, help me remember one time where I did a group or I went to a group or I spent time at my own group and, I, and that thing finished. And I said, man, I'm, I wish I never came. I can't remember one of those moments. I feel like every time I've done the group, there's always been one time in the group where I either, either said something and someone said, man, I needed that. Or somebody said something to me and I said, man, I needed that. Or I, I didn't even realize how much I needed prayer, but I needed prayer. Or I didn't realize how much this person needed to be at the group, but they really needed to be there. Or I didn't realize how much I needed my wife's cooking that night, but I needed it. And it came alive at the group, right? Or this person brought a cake, and this person brought some good salsa. And God showed up and gave us his undivided attention. I would challenge you to get in a group. And to plug in and just test it out and just say, you know what? I'm not just going to go once out of the 10 to 13 weeks. Our, our groups go from 10 to 13 week ranges. And then we take a break and we give you space to say, you know what? Either I want to go back to that group or maybe I'll try out a different group or maybe I'll take a season off. Whatever that may look like for you. But what I want to encourage you as we get ready to start charge groups up in the next couple weeks. We're getting ready to start them up. Some are going to start in just a week or two. Some are going to start the first week in February. Our group is going to start the first week of February, and we're going to go for 13 weeks, and it's going to be awesome. And you're more than welcome to check out our group. It's going to happen weekly, and it's going to be great. But I want to introduce you to Joey. If you don't know Joey, raise your hand, Joey Gruger. Come on, this is Joey and Y. Let's give it up for Joey and Y, who I love so much, who's been a part of our church from the very beginning. You guys were part of our first ever charge group, right? And you saw them grow and multiply, and now Joey oversees our groups here at Walk Church. And he's going to be at our group's table right in the back. And you can also use your connection card. And here's what I'm saying. You don't have to commit to a group today. You don't. But maybe you would say, hey, look, I'm open to at least talking about it. On your connection card, say, I'm interested in groups. Or go over to the table and say, what type of groups do we have? Maybe it's a Thursday night group that you need. Maybe it's a women-specific group that you need. Maybe it's a couple-specific group or a marriage-specific group. Or maybe it's a discipleship-specific group or a young adult-specific group. Or maybe you got like little crazy kids and they just need space to run around in that type of group. You need to go to that type of group. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you don't want to go to a group where there's any kids. You need to go to that type of group. All right? And here's why. Because the body's diverse, isn't it? The key is talk to somebody. Go to a group. And, and, and here's why it's so important. Because you'll get God's attention. Charles Spurgeon used to say, I don't know who's going to show up at the group. But I do know that God will be there. And that's why I'm going. For, for anything, just go because God says that's where he's going to put his attention. There's something value about speaking to one another. After church today, speak to somebody. Later throughout the week, text somebody, speak to somebody. Now, let me beat you to it. You could be saying right now, speak about what? I don't really know what to talk about. Well, I think there's a lot of things that you could talk about, but this scripture actually tells us the next point of the sermon to get God's attention. If you're ready, say ready. 
If you want me to keep going, say, keep going. All right, the next point is this. Esteem his name. To fear the Lord, speak with one another, and esteem his name. If you're like me at all, you don't really know what esteem means. Because I didn't. I'm thinking, I'm thinking esteemer, you know, right? Like, what does it mean? What does it mean to esteem his name? That's the translation we're looking at. The word esteem, by definition, it means to respect. It means to admire. It means to honor. I looked up the word esteem. What does it mean to esteem somebody's name? Well, it means to respect and admire the person's name. If, there's, if you're going to give respect to any name, if you're going to admire and honor any name, it should be the name above all names, shouldn't it? Jesus himself says, my name is above every name. I have the greatest name in the world. I'm the Savior. Respect my name. It was in hip-hop recently where there was a guy being interviewed, and he just said, man, put some respect on my name. I wonder if God sometimes is looking at the church, and God's like, yo, church, put some respect on my name. Come on, because here's what happens. When you esteem God's name, you get God's attention. I was just in Atlanta this past week. And I was at a church planting cohort doing a training, and it was lunchtime, and I was just going through this little lunch buffet, and I was grabbing my sandwich and some chips and stuff, and there were some people behind me, and I overheard this table right here talking, and this brother said, hey, you know, it's kind of, what you're talking about is kind of like what Pastor Hyden's doing in Walk Church. And you should have seen me. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is he saying? Come on, what you got? Come on, say something good. Say something. I wanted to hear. It got my full attention. I stopped eating and everything. I was like, man, I want to hear what they have to say. God is very similar. God is like, when you get together and you get around the saints and you come together and you start talking about his name, you start talking about Jesus, you start talking about what God's done in your life. God says, hey, hey everybody stop. I want to listen. I want to hear what they have to say. I want my, I got to give my attention. I, I, come on, keep going. Keep talking about it. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, another and esteemed my name gets God's attention. Esteem. Let me give you a couple different translations. We see it in the, uh, in the NIV, a different translation. It says, those who feared the Lord honored his name. What does it look like to honor somebody's name? name. The NLT translations always thought about the honor of his name. Think about that for a second. This translation says just even thinking about the honor of his name can change your circumstance, can get God's attention. You may be going through a really tough season. You may be downcast. You may have complaints a mile long. You may have all types of problems. You feel like a cloud just follows you and just rains on you all day long. And it's probably because what you're thinking about. God says, do this. Just stop for a second and think about my name. Just take time while you're at work and while you had that nasty customer or while somebody cuts you off in line or while your baby's screaming all throughout the night and just think about my name. God has so many different names, doesn't he? We just finished Christmas. What's the one name? Emmanuel, which means God with us. When you start to feel lonely, and the devil starts speaking lies to you, nobody knows you, nobody cares about you, nobody wants anything to do with you, say, hold up, what about Emmanuel? That name means God with us. He is with me. I'm going to speak back to that. I'm going to think about that. Or what about Jehovah Jireh, which means God is my provider. Amen? Jehovah Shalom, 
which means God is my rest. God is my peace. When everything else around you is a storm, start thinking about Jehovah Shalom. He'll give you peace. Or Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. I was just reading in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. God speaks and says, listen, I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm the Lord who fights for you. Wave that banner around, right? Jehovah Rapha, which means God is my healer. When you feel down and out and sick and depressed and alone, just start saying, you know what? I'm going to start just replaying all the names of God, and that's going to change my heart. Amen? Just, just thinking about the honor of his name. The CSB translation says, had a high regard for his name. Does God have a high regard in your mind? Do you take him serious? So serious that when you think about his name, it impacts you. We esteem his name. We talk about his name. It gets God's attention, and he meets with us in the moment. I'm almost done. The last thing I want to share with you is this, that not only does it get God's attention when we fear the Lord, speak with one another, and esteem his name, but let me give you the icing on the cake. You ready? If you're ready, say ready. Let's look back at the verse. Read this, this part in white with me. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him. What is that? That God is, God moves from paying attention to this group of people that are talking together, loving each other, esteeming each other, speaking together. God says, hold up, somebody get me a pad. Somebody get me an iPad. Somebody get me a Jesus, a J-pad. Somebody get me a scroll. Somebody open up a journal book. I got to write this down. That this is so important to God, what I'm talking about. You might not believe what I'm saying. Believe what Malachi said. God says, this is so, such a big deal, church, that God says, I'll write it down. Like God said, I need, to, I need a pen and a pad I'm, right now. I'm just going to write this down because I want to remember this moment. I bet you that God has a whole library in heaven that says walk church charge groups, walk church Sunday gatherings, walk church meet and greet fellowship, lunches, dinners. That he has specific catalog library that are written for his remembrance. That God says, man, I want to remember this. How neat is that? That God takes our fellowship so serious that he's like, I, I want to remember this forever, forever. Those people are my people, and they're talking about me, and they're talking together, and they're sharing prayer requests, and they're sharing praise reports. They're esteeming my name. I want to remember that. I want all of heaven to remember that. Isn't that cool? Isn't that how good God is? Amen? As this verse finishes, the end of the book of Malachi finishes up like this. We see Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 all the way through 18. I'll just read it, and then we'll pray it out. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. A book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Verse 17 says, They shall be mine. Amen? Says the Lord of hosts, In the day when I make up my treasured possession... And I will spare them as a man uh, spares his son who serves him. Then, once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, the hot and the cold. Amen. 
between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. In this text, what does it look like to serve God? Here's what it looks like to serve God. If you want to serve the Lord, here's what it looks like. Fear him. Take him serious. Speak to each other. Get in the group and praise and esteem and honor his name. God says, those are the people that are righteous. Those are the people I want to remember. Those are the people who are going to spend the rest of eternity with me. They are mine. I love them. I'm with them forever. They got my undivided attention. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you.